Welcome to Family Financial Views from University of Illinois Extension. Welcome to Family Financial Feuds from University of Illinois Extension. I'm so excited to be with you today. This is Kathy Sweedler and my area of specialty at Illinois Extension is personal finance. And I'm really happy to have a colleague as a guest, Chelsea Byers. And I'm going to go ahead and let Chelsea introduce herself. Well, hello, Kathy. Thanks for having me today. My name is Chelsea Byers and I'm a family life educator and I teach about healthy living and healthy aging topics. So Chelsea and I overlap in our interest and in our teaching on a topic of organizing and decluttering. And we thought with the new year that this was a great topic as it's in the news. And I know sometimes we might have mixed feelings about decluttering. We might have some different unique things that come up in our family lives that make it more challenging to keep our households, you know, functioning the way we want them to function so that we're all comfortable in our homes. And so it just seemed like it would be a nice conversation to have on a winter morning. So I guess, Chelsea, before we dive too deep into like the how to's and things like that, let's back up for a moment and just think about when we say decluttering, doesn't it really apply to things like hoarding? And maybe you could help us with that little distinction there. Great question, Kathy. Well, no. So people who have clutter is different than those who hoard. Hoarding is actually a disorder for people who compulsively, you know, acquire possessions. And oftentimes that kind of goes along with anxiety. You know, hoarding is an actual disorder that is in the American Psychiatric Association's DSMV. And so it is a mental disorder that can be diagnosed. So, you know, when you look at somebody who is a hoarder, that is something that needs to be dealt with with somebody who has counseling or a medical background. So usually somebody who is a hoarder, their house is going to be full of things. There's only going to be a walkway to walk through the home. And it actually does, they say, cause physical pain for people who have a hoarding condition to get rid of things. And so that's much different than when my husband and I disagree on the clutter in our home. You know, people have different thresholds for clutter, but hoarding is a whole nother level. And so today when we're talking, we're going to just kind of talk about clutter. So thinking about that, Kathy, what do you think about clutter and the definition of clutter? How would you define it? So I think this is always really interesting when I get involved in this topic, because I know my husband just laughs when he hears that I'm talking about decluttering, because I'm very comfortable with clutter on that whole spectrum of, you know, how much cleared space people need and how they feel about it. And I'm very comfortable starting a project in one room, stopping that, going to another room and starting another project. And then, you know, kind of leaving things out so I can see where I am on them. And for other people, that might look a lot like clutter. And so, you know, one of the things that we've learned over the years is that, you know, there is different comfort levels. And so I think when you hear in the media, oh, it's time to declutter, it's fine to step back and say, is this something I even care about? Is it working for me? Is it working for my household in terms of can I find my bills to pay? That's sort of my bottom line. You know, and is it working for the people that live in the house with me? You know, that might be something else. So to me, 
I'm okay until it gets in the way of something. But I know that's not true for everybody, right? I mean, Chelsea, that maybe you've seen something different. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we should care about clutter. Um, and relationships are one of the reasons. My husband and I were joking the other day about, you know, clutter in our house. We have separate medicine cabinets in our bathroom. And he was like, do you see my medicine cabinet? He's like, there's space here. There's open space. And you shouldn't put things in my space. So that brings up an idea of, you know, I think it's good in relationships to have boundaries, right? Like he wants space in his medicine cabinet to see his items. And if you open up my medicine cabinet, it's pretty packed full. So I have a higher threshold for clutter, right? But you know, when we think about clutter, there are other reasons we need to think about, you know, why should we care? Safety reasons. So, you know, if there's a lot of clutter lying around on the floor, people are more likely to, you know, slip and fall over stuff. Or if there's, you know, papers lying too close to maybe an open flame, you know, it could be a fire hazard. So, you know, we do need to think about our clutter in terms of safety concerns. Or if you have too many things stacked up high in a closet, is something going to come tumbling down on you when you're reaching for an item? You know, so there are, you know, those physical things. You can probably think of some emotional reasons. Do you ever get stressed out from your clutter, Kathy? Well, yes. So if it gets to start piling up, you know, I do like to like have a moment where we just put everything away and clear off, you know, some counters. And certainly as you were talking about safety things, you know, kitchen counters are one area where I keep up on a daily basis, clearing off the clutter, you know, just for cleanliness sakes, right? That you can make sure that food is put away appropriately and sanitation and all of that. So I think, you know, when we talk about clutter for me, as you were mentioning, I was thinking, oh yeah, different rooms have different comfort level for me. But I think all also, especially maybe out here in the Midwest where we get kind of locked into our homes more in the winter is one of the reasons we all kind of go into organization mode. You know, in the summer, there's lots of other things to do. I can always think of other things to do beyond cleaning up. But in the winter, yeah, I do kind of start looking around and going, oh, this room, I need to like get rid of some stuff so it all fits in the room. <laughs> and so one of my areas of study and areas of focus is brain health, as you know. And did you know that there's a reason that uh, a lot of times when your brain kind of gets overloaded, it causes you stress. And so it actually makes your inability to focus. And so a lot of times mm -hmm. there is kind of a threshold for you to handle like so much. And that's why I think a lot of people get to that tipping point where they're like, oh, there's just too much going on. I need to clean. And so, you know, our, our brains do like order and kind of having that constant visual reminder that there's stuff to be done around you kind of weighs on you. It causes stress and it, it can get in the way of your sleep or your concentration. And so it can cause cognitive overload though, which is kind of interesting. And it does impact your working memory. So if you feel like you're not concentrating really well, you might want to look at your surroundings and say, is there something going on in, in my environment that needs to be cleaned up to help my brain, you know, focus on the task at hand. So kind of an interesting thing with your brain and your environment. That's super interesting. So and that makes me also think of if I find that I'm having to spend a lot of time looking for things, you know, whether it's the keys to the car or papers to do some financial tasks that I need to do, documents and things and you're just always having to you know dig through a huge stack of papers to get things or a huge long list of emails or files to find the right one then I think there's also that is another motivator you know because who wants to waste time on that kind of stuff so then you're kind of like oh this is just getting again kind of stressful to always at the last minute have to be going through all this and so time I think is another element and then I kind of, I kind of threw out there paying bills finding what you need to pay your bills and you know some of that paper sorting, thank goodness, has gone away if you're using some more electronic tools. But 
I've spent a fair amount of time looking through emails trying to find something too. So I still think, you know, setting up a system that keeps your finances organized so that you don't have to be cluttered with it and you can find what you need in an efficient manner and get those financial tasks done, whether it's paying bills or staying up on your insurance, those kinds of things. I think, you know, again, good reasons to put a little time into organizing and decluttering. Absolutely. So when we think about decluttering, I know that I have certain ways that help me. So I like to use time to my advantage because I don't like to, you know, use a whole day to, you know, declutter. But, you know, if I have like 20 minutes, you know, before I need to go somewhere, then I might say, oh, I'm going to use this 20 minutes to work in a certain space, or maybe I'll set a timer and just work for a certain amount of time and then, you know, carry on to do something else that might be more fun or rewarding. And so I like using time as a way to declutter. So, you know, oh, I got an extra 20 minutes before I need to head out the door. I'll use that. What is something that you like to do, Kathy? Well, one thing before we move on to that, I was just thinking when you're saying that, you know, there is this real thing called decision fatigue, where making decisions is really can just be tiring. And I think it's important when you're working on organizing and decluttering to kind of pay attention to the time and how it's feeling. And you may be, let's say, going through clothing that you're trying to thin out what you're not wearing, what you're not using, at some point, you're going to find I've just lost momentum. You know, like I was making those decisions. And now I don't know, should I get rid of this or not? You know, then that might be a good time to say, okay, I've done my bit today. And I'm going to stop here. But one strategy I do like to use is then say, when will I come back? So I just sort of mentally promise myself, all right, I've stopped now. This is good. I've done my bit. That's great. But I'm coming back for 20 minutes this day or at this time, you know, after work or Saturday morning when I'm feeling fresh, I'm going to get up and I'm just going to do 20 minutes real quick. I bet I can get another big step done. That's a great strategy. Setting a goal is always a great strategy and having it on a calendar. So you're setting a date with yourself, you know, so you follow through. Yes. So when you're not like, oh, was I going to do that again? But you know, ooh, it's Saturday morning. And I said I would do it first thing. So I think that's one thing. And then the other thing that really helps me is to kind of goes along with this, but to like, look at something like say my closet. Okay, let's look at my closet, you know, or your dresser drawers. And rather than saying, I'm going to clear out my whole dresser today, say, you know what? I'm going to take a drawer today, or I'm going to take a half a drawer if your drawers are really big, you know, and that's how much I'm going to work on. Or if you have a place, I think almost every house has this, where everybody walks in and they drop their stuff. And then it never really all goes away. Like it just keeps piling up there. So maybe you have a counter in your kitchen or something to say, okay, I'm just doing the first 12 inches of this counter. And that'll be what I do today. And then if at the end of finishing that 12 inches, I feel so good, I really want to do another 12 inches. Okay, fine. I'll let myself do that, but not require it, not have set myself up for that expectation that I could clear the whole thing in one setting. So setting those goals small, but continuing, I think is my my key to success. I think that's a great one. Also, I like to use the strategy of when I'm going through things to have kind of four containers. So if I'm tackling, you know, a basement or my garage, or maybe even my closet to have some containers. And I think about it as, you know, this is stuff I'm going to throw away, or this is stuff I'm going to recycle, or this is stuff I'm going to donate, or these are things I'm going to sell. But you know, 
whatever your containers need to be, maybe it's a put back container, like this needs to go find its home in the house, or this is a container that needs to be, you know, I don't use this, it needs to go out of the house, whatever that is, maybe it's a donation container, or this is, you know, oh, this needs to go to somebody else in the family, I'm going to give it away, whatever your containers are that you label, but having a container system. So when you're looking at items, you can make a quick decision, put them in the container, and then you know what action is going to happen with them. Sometimes you can have a container of to be determined. So then you're not stalling on an item, you know, so then it doesn't hold you up. Because I think sometimes people get stuck on things Mm -hmm, and then then, mm -hmm. then they stop and then they can't have that forward movement. So then if you just can't make a decision, just put in that container and you keep moving forward so you don't, you know, stop that forward momentum. So sometimes just having containers, however many work for you or whatever the game plan is and the space you're working in will help you. And then once you're done going through the amount of stuff that you can work in, whether you're working on a time schedule or, you know, in a set amount of space, whether it's the drawer or the 12 inches you're working on or whatever it is, then tackle that stuff right away. Don't let it sit there because then you're tripping over those containers or things get thrown in those containers and they get mixed up or people are coming over and you shove those containers somewhere else, right? So it's really important for us to, once we're done with that time that we're working in that space, deal with them, like make a plan, like the donate container needs to go into the car. So the next time you go out of the house, you're going to drop off the donate stuff or have a plan for those items. Take the container of stuff that needs to get put back in other rooms in the house, take that container through the house and put them in their rightful spaces. So you can kind of tackle that right away. So it doesn't just kind of sit and then it's still sitting there not accomplished. So those are some, you know, suggestions for trying to kind of begin into cluttering, right? Tackle, yeah. tackle that. And I've used that containers. I love that. It really helps me when I'm working on things. And just to add in a couple of things to that one, my container for trash is a trash bag so that there's no chance that it comes back into the household. So when I'm done, it's going straight out to the trash. And then the reason that I think a lot of us like the container that's like it goes somewhere else in the house is there is this problem, at least for me, if I pick up something, let's say it's an umbrella that's been left on the counter, and then I walk down the hall to put it away in the closet, I end up getting distracted by something else. And I forget my 12 inches of counter, right? You then you're like picking up something else, or you start doing something in another room. So if you have a container that's like, it just goes somewhere else in the house, and I know where it goes, you don't start wandering around (laughs) until it's time to put those things away. It's much more efficient for me. So if you find yourself like, oh, yeah, I started clearing off, but then here it's an hour later, and I'm not there, then maybe that would be a good strategy. And one thing you mentioned earlier, when you're talking kind of about paperwork, I think there's two other things that I think really work for paperwork to try to like manage paperwork in the beginning is, you know, right when you bring in mail, if it's not anything you want or need, recycle it or pitch it right away or shred it immediately so it doesn't pile. I think piling, that piling overwhelms people when it gets piled. Also when going through stacks of stuff, you know, if you can go through stuff that's a no brainer and kind of get through stuff quickly, sometimes that helps. And then, then again, you deal with that stuff that's hard, that to be determined stuff later, it takes more brain power, like you said. So if you only have 20 minutes, you know, kind of sort the stuff that you can make quick decisions on fast and then go back to the harder things later that need a little bit more thought to it. And I think the other thing too, with financial documents, we might talk about this a little bit more as we move forward, but you know, educate yourself about what do you really need to keep in terms of financial documents. So a lot of people save receipts or 
billing statements. And those are useful, but only until you pay the bill. So once you, for example, gotten your utility bill, you're going to pay it. And then you may want to wait till the next month to make sure that it, you know, all went through, but then you don't need to keep that unless some way it backs up something on your tax return. So let's say it was a rental property and you were paying the utility costs and you might need to keep that piece. So getting rid of kind of like what you were saying, getting rid of stuff that you don't need as fast as possible, then uh, whether it's, you know, just advertisements or pieces that just don't have a value anymore, then then you have more of the important stuff to think about rather than all just things that pile up. And I remember when I had kids in school, oh my goodness, if we didn't stay on top of the paper that came home from school, then, you know, that again, just piled up. Mm-hmm. Recycle, Absolutely. recycle, recycle. Yes. Okay. So we have these strategies and, you know, there's a lot of good information about, you know, how to think through them and, you know, make those decisions. But it sounds so easy when we say, do these four things and your house will be organized. And yet we know from experience, it's really not that easy. So Chelsea, what are some of the things that just makes it hard that we don't really, you know, get to a place where we're like, oh, this is so much fun. Let's declutter our house. Oh, goodness. There's there's a whole list of things, you know, that makes it hard. Um, You know, one of the first ones is emotional reasons. A lot of times people hold on to things because they have an emotional attachment to things, whether it be children's clothes or their favorite toys. Sometimes it's items or possessions from people who have passed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's the emotional connection to things, right? Emotional attachment. You know, there's physical reasons why people don't tackle items, right? Whether it be physical limitations or people don't feel well. Um, Sometimes people don't have some of the knowledge to tackle a a task where they thought they were going to do a project and then they needed more information or they realized they didn't have the skill. So they have, you know, some of the project items to do something and then it just never got finished. I talked to a lot of people who have, you know, flooring sitting around and then they realized that the flooring project was bigger than their abilities or you name anything, right? It could be a craft. Things that break that you think, oh, I could rewire that. I could fix that. And you put it down in the basement thinking someday I'll get that lamp working again and it'll be good, right? And then, you know, you don't get to it. Absolutely. So then, you know, it's like overwhelming to start, you know, it's just too much. I think a photograph, a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm going to organize my photos. And then it just gets overwhelming and they pile up. You know, let's just be honest. It's not fun to organize. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say that. Some Some people people think it's fun. Some people do think it's fun. But they're not Uh, the ones that are probably like, I can't get to decluttering. But maybe, but you know, but some people enjoy it more than others. This is for sure. Uh, and, And like you said earlier, some people don't have the knowledge of what to do. So whether it be a certain task or, you know, maybe it is things like financial information. So, you know, how long to keep paperwork um, or tax information. And then, you know, sometimes it's other people's stuff. Um, So you don't have control of the items. It's not your stuff to deal with. You know, we kind of always tease, but it's real, you know, with this ring, IV wed, sometimes you you marry somebody who likes, you know, collections or likes more stuff, or, you know, you still have your children's items, you know, in your home, adult children's stuff, and they never came back for it. So sometimes it's other people's stuff that you have. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we have things in our homes, right? Or you retire and you have all your items from a job, you know, that you've retired from or a current job that, you know, in our jobs, we schlep a lot of things around, right? So I always have stuff in my car. I always have stuff in my house that it's coming and going for programs. And so um, sometimes it's just stuff that comes with the job, not even just retirement, right? So there's lots of reasons we have stuff. 
I mean, that's definitely, you know, as I've been transitioning into retirement for over a year now, you know, I did move from an office to working at home. Okay, that all makes sense. But there's a, I had a big office. It was very full. And most of it stayed with the university. But I had a lot of books that I had purchased myself over the years related to my profession. Some of them I could get rid of easily. But then you pick up a book and you're like, oh, I remember when I learned about this and it was so interesting. Maybe I'll read it again. Yeah. No. Or, you know, it's like, you know, it's just hard. Was There's it, certain it, things for me to get rid of. And so was it sentimental, Kathy, or was it? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really more sentimental. Like, oh, when I was at Davis, this was so good. Okay, that's so long ago. But I so I just allowed myself a certain amount of space mm-hmm. and said it had to fit into this space. And then I kind of, you know, kept some and I'm sure, you know, in a year, I'll go through and get rid of it all again. But I think that that's a great strategy, though. You set yourself a boundary, which I think is a right. great, a great strategy. There was no way I was bringing that whole office home, <laughs> no, even if I could, you know, and so and it's been kind of nice as the years gone on, you know, saying I didn't need this. I can just get rid of this Mm -hmm. at this point. And I think that's one thing I found for myself is to recognize that I'm not going to get it all done at once. Like, you know, especially if you're looking at a big house that you've lived in for a long time or a career you've had a long time or a hobby or, you know, an interest that you've had a long time. Over time, things collect. And so knowing that, you know, you can whittle it down over time is giving yourself that permission. As long as it's not an excuse to not do it, you know, I think makes a difference too. I think with all all big projects or anything that seems overwhelming. I just think having a plan and doing it a little by little is the best way because then it isn't as overwhelming. And so setting a goal of doing, you know, a little bit over time is a good way to attack it. So that's a good transition into like ways to stay motivated. And I know you and I kind of brainstormed about this a little bit, trying to think what motivates us as well as what we've heard other people, you know, and I think for me, um, making lists, like kind of prioritizing the areas that I want to work on first. And then thinking of nudges, things that will remind me to keep going. So for me, a list, because then there's checkoffs, right? So then I keep going. But somebody else, you know, you might clear off a little area, take a picture of it and put it on your fridge of like, you know, this is what it looks like when it's cleared off, then you can, you know, have that nudge. Oh, yeah, that one counter looks so good. I'm going to go do another counter. What other strategies do you like? Or have you heard about Chelsea? You know what, I've had a lifetime one of the buddy system, you know, as a child, I had to clean my room and that was a task I hated. My best friend would come over and talk to me while I cleaned my room. And still to this day, I utilize the buddy system. I call my best friend and I'll be like, it's time to work. And we'll put on our headphones, on our cell phones, and she'll be working in her house. I'll be working in my house. And, you know, it makes the time go by. So do something to make the task better. Put on your favorite music, call a friend, you know, it makes it more enjoyable, right? And so I don't realize that I'm tackling something that I don't want to be doing. So, you know, I think call a friend and chat while you're doing it or listen to an audiobook on tape or, you know, throw on good music. So those are all good things that you can be doing while trying to declutter, right? Make the time go by. Yeah, I think another one is, you know, think about the age and stage of life where you're at. If you're looking at downsizing, that's a great time to clear out stuff. Or if you're going to be moving or where your families are in life, if there's a kid that's going to be setting up an apartment, that's a great time to give away your extra stuff. If you have an extra set of sheets and towels and, you know, pots and pans or dishes that are just sitting around taking up space in your cabinets or, you know, sitting around in a basement, like clear out some of that stuff and 
and give it to somebody who can actually use it, mm -hmm. you know, that stuff gets expensive for college students or young adults when they're setting up their space. So, you know, when our niece and our daughter were, you know, getting in college, it's a great time to go through your items and see what is usable and people can use. And you can enjoy seeing them use those items. Or if somebody's downsizing into a smaller home, you know, that's a great time to go through items. And then always try to create like a routine after you kind of clear it out. At the end of the day, go through the house and just pick up the things that just need to be straightened up. I always say if it takes less than two minutes, do it right away. You know, hang up that coat, put away your shoes, wipe down your countertop, you know, and after your meals, you know, the, the little things that take no time, you know, put away the little things so it doesn't pile up. I think it's when it starts piling up. Those little things that could do in two minutes add up over time. And that's how clutter happens, right? But if we just took care of it in the moment, then it wouldn't pile up. Which also um, makes me think about the fact that if you look around and you see like, oh, the coats are always laying on the couch or I can't find my keys. Maybe one thing you need to do is think about where's their home and is it someplace that works. So, you know, if you don't have a place for your keys, then it's easy for them just to travel throughout the house. And I remember asking lots of different audiences. And by the time people get to their 50s, everybody has a place for their keys, pretty much everybody, you know, and there's often a hook that they go on or a little basket somewhere or something in one spot. Younger, you're still kind of establishing where that home is. So if hanging the coats a long ways away in a closet isn't working for your family, are you comfortable with hooks somewhere else or a door, you know, a coat tree somewhere else? And then once you have that home, reinforcing with your family, your expectation, you know, that this is the home and we're going to practice this. We're going to get these coats hung up so that, you know, we have a place to sit in our living room rather than coats everywhere. You'll have to figure it out as you go. I know when our kids were young, I had decided that they were each going to have like, you know, a place to hang their coat with their mittens all nice and their boots all tidy in one little spot. And it was not working. Like three boys, it was not working. Finally, I put a basket in the mudroom and I said, all your stuff goes in this basket. If it's somewhere else, you're, you know, that's an issue, but get it in this basket. And we were all happy with that. That was our compromise. <laughs> I, I think that that's a great example. Um, but you're right. I think people need to have the storage near where they use it. And so if I had a participant in a program one time say that she liked to iron in her family room and her ironing board and iron never got put away. And she's, I said, well, have you ever thought about storing it, you know, in your family room, if you have a closet there? And she's like, I never thought about that. And so once she could store it closer to where she uses it, then she could actually put it away instead of having to lug it all the way across the house, you know, into a back room where she typically would store it. Right. And so right. storing it where you use it, you're more likely to put it away because it's close. And so, like you said, if the coats need to be stored closer to the back door, instead of like a formal front entry closet, they never make it to that front entry closet. If you're exactly. always coming in the back door, you know, by a garage or something. And so think about, you know, where do I use this? And is the storage space close to it. Um, and that's often why things don't get put away is because the storage isn't near where it's actually being used. And so rethink about maybe how things are stored in your home. Is it where they're actually being used? So that's And a if great, you're short on storage, for example, like in a kitchen and things are always on the counters because they can't go away when you want them to go away, then take a look if there are things in your kitchen that you want to keep, but maybe you don't use them, but once or twice a year, and maybe those could move you know, a little further away to a, a shelf in a back bedroom that nobody's really using or something like that, where then you open up that space in your kitchen for the things that you're using more regularly. 
Absolutely. You know, I think about like some kind of serving platter or serving dishes that you only come out, you know, like Thanksgiving or Christmas, they're taking that primary spot in your kitchen when you actually need that for stuff that you use daily, you know, that would make more sense. So that's a great tip. So we've talked about some of the kind of how to's and keeping yourself motivated. But you know, this is the Family Feuds podcast. And I do think that arguing about how organized or where things should be organized is a common theme in families and households often. So let's look at a couple of scenarios where we might have some conflict and how can we approach that, Chelsea? So like, for example, what if you're a person that feels like you need clean services things to be organized is a high value for you, but the person you're partnering with and living with is really not a value of theirs. It's not something they implement or practice. How can you approach that? Well, first of all, when you think about relationships, we always talk about keeping good communication skills and always think about the idea of compromise in relationships, right? But the first thing I would think about is share how you feel about it and then let them share their why about their actions or the reason they have the items or why they want to save the items. So whatever it might be, if they're a collector, you know, why are the collections important to them or you need to tap into their values, I think Mm -hmm. it's important to know if you get a new coffee maker for Christmas and then they want to save the last coffee maker and they still have the coffee maker from the one before, you know, what is driving the reason to save all the coffee makers, right? There's different reasons for everybody. Maybe, you know, they didn't have things as a child or growing up, you know, they were without and so they're afraid they're going to go without as an adult. Or maybe they always think they can fix it or there's value to it and they don't want to waste something. You know, there's there's always reasons for why people do things. So show respect for that person, but also think about identifying what your goals are. You know, you want to clear out some space, but don't attack them. You want to try to figure out how to work together and compromise and try to, you know, see each other's point of view, but maybe try to say, I understand that you're saving these extra coffee pots in case one of ours breaks, but wouldn't it be great if somebody else could get use out of it? Let's see if one of our kids could use it, or maybe we donate it, somebody else could use it. So try to tap into values, but the other person's values, it's always great to see other people use something because sometimes people do end up with duplicates or triplicates of things, but you don't want to offend somebody or try to accuse people or put them on the defensive when you're having these conversations conversations. So it's really important that we, you know, try to communicate with respect, but also try to find compromise in my head. I'm thinking of my parents, my mom's like, Oh, your dad's saving all these things. I don't understand why, you know, and I just think, Oh, her tone in my head, I'm thinking of her tone, right? That's not a good way to have that conversation, you know? So we have to think about our tones in these conversations and are we coming from a good place and are they going to receive the message in a good way? So those are some things to think about when you're having these conversations and how can we have it in a healthy manner? And I think having that opportunity to share like why clutter makes you uncomfortable, for example, since I'm not bothered by clutter, you know, I need to hear how somebody else is feeling about it. I might not think about it, right? It might just seem very normal to me that we keep piling things in the basement and until somebody points out that there is another option, you know, I might not really think about it. So yeah, it was, it was revealing when my husband said that he liked to have space on his medicine cabinet. And I was like, oh, that's not empty space just to use. Like that's to me, I view as a user space, right? And I don't see my medicine cabinet as cluttered. I see it as used. I mean, nothing falls out when you open my cabinet. So I don't see it as cluttered. I see it as a used space, right? right? And so when you open his, it's very sparse. And so I was like, 
well, that's just open space to be used. And so even just looking at it from our point of views, it's not like things are falling out at me when I open it, but it was just even his point of view from my point of view was very different. And to understand that that's how he likes it and it makes him feel more anxious when it's full, you know? And so um, understanding his point of view to, to get that point of view and understand that helped me understand like, that's why he doesn't like it when I throw, you know, oh, I bought a new box of Band-Aids and I threw it on a shelf because there's space on his shelf. And he's like, what did you do? And I'm like, well, you have open space there, right? I'm helping so, you. I'm filling it for you. <laughs> I'm filling it for you. We had space there for new Band-Aids. No, no it, I think, you know, excellent example, right? You know, yeah. there's always a person, you know, the main person in our household that we're partner with, but then there's those children, whether they're, you know, five and six, where you have a little more control and say in it. But then what about those adult children who just seem to move off in their lives, which is great, but leave things behind? You know, how do you how do you get that stuff moved out? I I will admit, I just repainted their room and pulled everything out and made it go through it to put it back. But that was probably pretty passive aggressive. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if there's any one right way. But again, you know, with relationships, it's good to have healthy boundaries. And we should, you know, set and respect boundaries between parents and children, right? But sometimes parents do want to reclaim space after their children have kind of left the home. But, you know, maybe the first question is to say, what's motivating you to move the stuff? You know, are you going to make it a reading nook? Is that room going to become a usable space for you now? Is it just that you're like, I want it moved, you know, and there's no reason behind it. Sometimes Uh, other siblings want more space. Like maybe people have been doubled up in a room and they would like to, you know, each have a room and things come into play too. Absolutely. I always tease my mom. My mom always wants us to come get our stuff. And I'm like, it's upstairs. You don't even go upstairs. It's not bothering you. You know, I just tease her. Right. But, you know, it is important for us to to talk and listen and understand the feelings. You can also use it as a time to share memories. When people go through their things from childhood, it's going to bring up lots of memories. But, you know, it also you can set parameters. You know, it is your home if you want them to come and get their items or if you want them to say by this date, I want you to pick up your things or I'm going to I'm going to be delivering them to your house or, you know, they're going to get donated. That that is okay. It's just, you know, it's just something to think about. Think about where they are in life. If they're in a, you know, small space or an apartment, they might not have space to take on those items right now. True, Um, true. If they have their own home and they have space to take it and deal with it, you know, if they're in college, they probably don't. You know, so again, it's about communication and compromise, but, you know, it is about life and relationships. So you you have to have those conversations and nobody says it's going to be easy on either side. (laughs) So, yeah. So what I'm hearing, though, is, you know, sharing why you're thinking about this, listening to them about how they feel about what they consider probably their home as well as, you, you know, you think of it as your home. And then, you know, seeing where where can you meet? so that Mm -hmm. different people's needs can be met until that point at which you're like, clearly it'll be easier process maybe further down the road or something. And sometimes I think parents hold on to things that kids don't even have any attachment to, which is interesting. So it'll be interesting when you have the conversation to see what is important to them or not important to them. And they can be like, oh, I didn't even know we still had that in the house, right? So um, you could go through it together and probably get rid of a lot of things and clear a lot of things out. So 
And that understanding what's important to one person may not be important to somebody else, I think really does come into play when it comes to family heirlooms and inheriting things from, you know, generations that are older than us. Um, and I think it's it's a hard thing when something has a lot of meaning to one person, but it does the meaning doesn't necessarily transfer. The memories certainly don't transfer with that item to somebody that didn't have that same attachment. How do you, you do you know what I'm saying, Chelsea? Like, you know, oh, Kathy, this could be a whole session on its own. And it um, is, we know that it is, but yeah, just real quickly, if we can touch on it, because, you know, how many things travel into your home when somebody passes away or downsizes? And then what do you do with them all? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this one with inheritances or, you know, when you gather families items, there's things of value financially and there's things of sentimental value, right? That's a good way to put um, it. Yes. And sometimes people's emotions are so raw that they can't even go through the items near the person's death. And so I had a colleague uh, who stored all of her parents' belongings because they died pretty close together. They put all the things in their garage and she just couldn't go through the things because it was too hard for her. And it just became a place where all the things were stored that she called it where the other people live. Literally, that's how she referred to her garage. And it got to be so much time had passed that she didn't even know what was in there or if it was any good anymore because they just moved it in there to clear out the home. And that's, that's a reality of life sometimes. But sometimes people get things that they want and sometimes people get things that they don't want when it's family heirlooms. There's a lot of news articles about China these days. And, you know, do kids even want China anymore? You know, are the items that people get of sentimental things? And are you keeping them because they have sentimental value? Do you, are you keeping them because you feel like you have to? Um, I think it's a conversation to have with other family members. If you have things that, you know, that you don't want, try to find somebody else in the family that might appreciate them and pass them on. You know, maybe it's a cousin or a niece or nephew, a sibling, you know, reach out and see if there's somebody else who wants those items. If it's something that's been passed down through the family, don't feel like you have to hold on to them because it was your parents. If it's something that you want, great. Maybe it's one item of a collection. So you can remember that love of a family members, but don't feel like you have to hold on to the whole collection. There's a lot to be said about this one, but don't feel like you have to hold on to all the things and let it burden or stress you out and make it change your life and, you know, the enjoyment of your space. And so I think Pick the items that bring you joy and you can use or you, you know, bring happy memories for you and then decide how you want to move those other items on. Yeah, I think that all makes a lot of sense and giving yourself that time that you need, knowing that it may not be, you know, right away that you can make all those decisions and maybe calling on that buddy if you have held on to things and it's starting to feel like a burden and you have to think it through and decide what Mm. of these you're really going to hold on to. Yeah, so I think just, you know, try to think critically about it. What will you use? Why do you want it? And then try to make those decisions. And and like you said, have somebody else help you work through that if you can't do it, you know, right away and try to do it within, you know, a reasonable amount of time so it doesn't get too much time passed. And it really does circle back to what we were talking about, where there's real sentimental attachment to different things that, you know, it's not as simple as just saying it's a broken spatula and I'm going to get rid of it. Okay, well, when it's broken, it's a little more clear, but maybe it was the spatula your grandma always used, you know, at the holidays or whatever. 
So and you have good memories around it. So yeah, have to take that all into consideration. Well, thank you, Chelsea. I feel like this has been a great conversation. I feel a little more motivated myself to keep at it. Was there anything else that you wanted to add that we haven't touched on or No, good luck with your stuff. I just think, you know, there's no wrong or right way. Just get started. (laughs) And then always you can pick up, you know, where you left off. I mean, I think just don't think negatively about it. Just, I think just try to, you know, keep moving forward is the best attack and you can always keep going back at it. it. And it's never done. I think that's the other thing is enjoy it while it's clean and know that you can keep kind of revisiting it, different spaces of your house or your environment or different areas. And hopefully it'll help you live a more fulfilling and happy life, right? As you go through your space. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful day and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.